preached last week and kind of challenged our church on us going to two services and stepping it up. And, um, and that's what God has called us to do is to, to be able to be equipped to do His work. And for us, for the work here in South Toledo, in order for us to do that, we have to expand. I don't, I don't know if you, any of you guys have ever heard of Jabez's prayer where he said, Lord, expand the territories of my tents. Well, in order to do that, you, in order to expand the territory, that means you have to actually pick up the markers and move them a little further. And so that's what we're doing as, as a church. We're moving the, the, the markers just a little bit further so that we can reach more people. Does that sound like a good idea? All right. This, okay, I'm glad there's about two people that thought that's a good idea. <laughs> we want to reach more people, so, so we have to physically expand our tents, and, and, and one way we see doing that is by going to two services. Does that sound like a good idea? All right, there we go. That's a lot better. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to be, I, yeah, like, no, that didn't work. Got to try again. If you, have, if you have kids, have you ever had a kid give you an answer and you give them the option of, of re-answering that before they get in trouble and they fix their, their, the way that they answer that? Have you ever had that? That's what I just did right now. So we, we, we just fixed that. Okay, we're actually going to be talking about Matthew chapter 10. We're going to actually read the whole chapter of, of, of Matthew chapter 10. And so you have to promise me, look at to me and say, I promise... I will not doze off. <laughs> There's something about when, when, when somebody's reading the Bible that all of a sudden, and, and just monologuing, and, and that people like to start dozing off. It's like, it just it is what it is. I mean, have you ever been in, in class or in school when you were a kid and the teacher's up there and they're, and you're just kind of like, you're like, whoa. Well, I don't know. There's just something about that. So, so just kind of, if you can just, if you're tired this morning, hopefully you, you got a coffee or tea or something to kind of jolt you, energy drink, whatever, you, you, whatever your choice is. Let's kind of shake it off here and let's just say, in the name of Jesus, I prepare myself. Hold on, this is not good. Say, in the name of Jesus, I prepare myself for God's word today. Yeah, see, there we go. That's, that's a lot better. So we're going to have, you can follow along uh, in the Bible. We're going to also have it on the screens. You can follow along on uh, version uh, if you would like to do that. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's 42 verses, I believe, of Matthew chapter 10, and it's super good. Here we go. Ready? Strap on. We're going to read every single one of these verses. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay. I had to prep you and then prep you and prep you so that, so that by the time we get to verse 20, you, you're not bored. Okay. Jesus called his uh, 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 uh, apostles. Now, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and bypass those names. How's that sound? Just for a lack of time and so that, you know, you don't get too bored here just for a minute. The the names are important, but I'm going to bypass them. Here we go. Okay. They're very important. Okay. These 12, uh, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. This is what he told them. He said, do not go among the Gentiles or into any of the town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. That's good. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belt 
No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or staff. For the worker is worthy of his keep. Some of us would have a hard time right there. You say, oh God, what? No, I can't take an extra pair of pants. See, we would have quit right then. (laughs) Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their home, or excuse me, stay at their house until you leave. As you enter their home, give it your greeting. If the home is not deserving, let your peace, or if your home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. And if it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, uh, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. Say, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local council to be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when you are arrested, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Say amen. That's good. All right. Brother, this, is not, this part is not good. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. See, sometimes it's, it's good to flee. Sometimes you have to. Well, I'm going to stand my guard. Sometimes you've got to flee. Sexual immorality, flee. And Jesus said, when you're being persecuted, flee. <laughs> okay. Flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher, or servants to be like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? Basically saying, since I've been called the devil, you're going to be called names too. (laughs) So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, nor hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in, or what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops, or proclaim from the roofs, uh, whatever translation you have. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but uh, cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your Father's care. Man, that's so good right there, friends. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth, you are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Man, it's tough. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not 
worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous man as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Father, we just thank You for Your Word, God. We thank You, Lord, for us having the opportunity, God, of delving into Your Word God, would You speak Your truths to us in a powerful and tangible way that we might be more like You. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Alright, we're going to kind of break this down verse by verse. If you're following along, everything that's on my notes is going to be on you version and pretty much up on the screen. So it's going to be real easy to follow along. We're going to go to the first verse here. The first verse says this. Okay, Jesus called out His twelve and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Okay, now the modern person might read that and either one of two things might happen. Either they say, well, that couldn't possibly be true because I've never experienced anything like that. Or, they could be a person to say, well, because I've never, and maybe they're a follower of Christ, well, because I've never experienced anything like that, well, that just doesn't happen anymore. And there's a lot of, pers- there's a lot of churches and people that believe that now, that it's, it just it does not happen anymore, that, that people don't walk in authority to, to have authority over demons or to see people that are sick healed. Friends, we need to reprogram ourselves because, see, there's this whole thing thing, I don't know, it, it's, it's blasted all over television, it's blasted all over our media, and I'm sure you probably have heard this before, believing is seeing. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Believing is seeing, which means basically if you see it, then you can do what? Believe it. But I love the way that Jesus uh, teaches because Jesus teaches a kingdom that's opposite of the kingdom of earth. Because in John chapter 20 and verse 29, Jesus said, Blessed are those who what? Believe without seeing. Which means that there will be people that will raise up, that will believe things even though maybe they've never seen it before. And I'll tell you what, blessed are those who believe without seeing. So I believe, how many people in here have actually seen God tangibly? You've seen Him, like boom. If you have, raise your hand. Okay. So, just, so everybody in this, other than maybe one or two people, have never seen God with their eyes. Yet you believe in Him, right? Raise your hand if you believe in God and you've never seen Him. Then you know what? You've received the blessing of those who believe without seeing. Okay? Do you understand that? So Jesus, He calls them all and He gave them authority to do all these things, to drive out evil spirits and to, and to heal every disease and sickness. Did that stop at Jesus and His disciples? Absolutely not. If there's a theology that uh, that does teach that, that's because they've never seen that. Because what happens is people base their own beliefs off of what they experience. You see what I'm saying? 
So if I've never experienced anything supernatural, then my belief system is going to be, well, God really doesn't move supernaturally. But if you come into a place where God is moving supernatural, then you're going to have a theology and a belief system that God does the supernatural. Okay? Before I committed my, my, my life to Christ back in 1998, I really didn't have any kind of supernatural experiences at all. I didn't know, you know, I mean, I believed that there was a God, but never really knew all that stuff. But it wasn't until I came to a place where God started doing awesome things, and it actually was very bizarre to me. Say bizarre. For a person that has just a natural mindset, it's bizarre to see things like that. I remember one of the times my, my, my good friend and, and our pastor, Steve Soto, uh, there, we believe, not because we just believe it, because it happens. Okay, I remember there was a person that, that was demonically oppressed by, by the devil, and that person uh, was convulsing in something like you would see on, on a television show or something where, where, I mean, that stuff is just how it happens. You know, it's, and so I remember... I remember the first time, because uh, pretty much, Steve, we, we probably started coming to church right around the same time, and in uh, the first time he seen that, I mean, he was like, what? Oh my, you know what I mean? I mean, there was just this like, what is going on here? Oh my, you know what I mean? Because it's like, you've never seen what is going on here. Well, this person has been, has a, the stronghold of the enemy has, has gripped this person's life so heavy that there is now a spiritual warfare that's going on where the, where, where the enemy doesn't want to let go because this person has made a profession of Christ. And so the power of Jesus has the power to break that and, and was breaking that. And in some cases, it comes out, we call it a manifestation, and, and, and the demon just pops his head up and, he's, you know, and does crazy things like, like throw pews and swing on people and all kinds of stuff. Okay, anyways, long story short, but if you experience that, then you know that it's real. Okay? I'm going to move on here. You guys are looking at me like you're at the in the headlights. Like, what's he talking about? <laughs> this is cool. Go on down to verse 5. Okay, verse 5 says this. In uh, the uh, NIV, um, it said he uh, commissioned them. Or what, is another, what does another translation say? The actual Greek is he commanded them. So he commanded them and he sent them out and he told them, you know, do not go... He didn't just commission them, he commanded them. How many of us know that a command is, is, is a very strong gesture? There's a difference when a, when a parent tells a child, hey, can you go clean your room? And when a parent tells a child, you need to go clean your room. Do we have any parents in here? Do we have any kids in here that have, uh, that have ever had that happen? Have you ever had that happen as an adult? Where, where your parent, your mama asked you to do something, and you didn't move fast enough, and then it was commanded for you to do it. Okay, there's a, there's a different line of authority when she asks, she's like, hey, can you do this? And then, no, you go do that. Because first it was asking, it was politeness, and then you didn't get off your rump. So then she just had to put a little bit of assertion to it, like, no, now you got to go and do this. Okay? Jesus actually was assertive when he said this. It says he commanded them, go. That's still what he's commanding his church to do today, friends. Go! Preach this. The kingdom of heaven is near. He didn't say come. He said go. And what else did he say? This is what he said. He said, verse 7, he preached what? The kingdom of heaven is near. What happens, how many of us know here what the term ambassador means? What does the word ambassador mean? An ambassador is, 
a representative of a country or a place or nation. Okay? When God sent out His disciples, and if you are in this place, you've committed your life to Christ, God calls us as ambassadors. Okay? But we're not representing the United States. We're not representing South Toledo. We're not representing Vision Ministries. We're not representing Ohio. He sends us as representatives of what? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. So that's why he says, go preach this what? The kingdom of heaven is near. Why? Because when you come into a place, you bring the kingdom of God with you. I loved it what Pastor Joyce said last week. It was phenomenal. She said this. She said, you know what? They may have kicked God out of school. But if you are going to that school and God lives in you, they can't kick God out of school. That was, that was, that was powerful. Why? Because God is in you and you are in the school. So maybe, maybe the establishment said we don't want that. And that's fine. Okay? But you are in there. And you have God in you. Preach the kingdom of heaven is near. How many of us know also that Jesus is coming back? Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12. He says, Behold, I am coming soon and my reward is with me. And what is he? And he says, and I will reward everyone according to what he has done. Not according to what he wanted to do. Not according to what he should have done. I'm going to reward everyone according to what he has done. Has done. Not what he had intentions to do. So for us, as followers of Christ, it makes me want to, I want, I want in everything that I do, I want to make sure that I'm honoring God. Especially when I read the Word of God that says that I'm going to be judged or acquitted by every careless word that I speak. That's tough. That's a tough saying. I don't want to be judged by careless words. I'd rather be acquitted. Friends, we bring the kingdom of God to men and women. And this is what Jesus said. He said that if I drive out Demons, by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And what did he do? He demonstrated it, and then he, he commissioned his disciples, and then they've done it as well. Let me tell you this. Friends, everything that you see Jesus do in the Scriptures, you have the ability to do. Obviously, except for die on the cross for everybody's sins. You can't do that, obviously. But any kind of supernatural thing that he did, you have, because his word says it. He said, Go! And he told him to do what? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Verse 8, freely you've received, freely give. Basically what he's saying, you know what? For your services, don't charge people for your services. But if I lay hands on you, you get healed. Give me a $25 blessing. No, friends. No, man. It's, it just... It, no, it, you know, we, and we see that happen in the Scriptures. What happened when, when uh, Elisha, he healed, he healed the, the uh, commander and was trying to send him gifts. He said, no, I don't want no gifts from you. And then his servant went chasing after to get the gifts, and then what happened to him? He got the leprosy that the other guy got healed of. So for, so for us, freely we have received, freely give. So you don't share the hope with somebody at your job and say, no, that'll be $5. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. Freely you've received, freely give. That's why we do free block parties. 
but they cost a lot of money. Freely you've received. Verse 10, and then he goes on and he talks about workers. He says, a worker is worthy of his food or his wage. How many of us know that a worker is worthy of his wage? How many of us know 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 that says if we don't work, we won't eat? What? What? That's in the Bible? Yeah. Uh, if you don't work, you don't eat. It's quiet in this house right now. <laughs> it's hard to say that because, man, our church gets so much food. <laughs> we, I mean, we just get so much food. Okay, God, I, I get it, but man, we're, we're just, how many of us know our economy is, is, is truly blessed? We are so blessed. I mean, we're just, we're really, to be honest, if you live in America, you should not be without food, because I mean, it is readily available. I mean, we, by the grace of God, serve 2,000 meals a month, and we give away tons and tons of food. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, people are leaving this place with bags of food all the time. But he says, if you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> Anyways, I'm trying to talk about that. I want to talk about what the word worker means. In the Greek, that word actually means a toiler, a teacher, okay? A worker, a laborer. That's what that word means in the Greek. It means a toiler or a teacher. Okay, so, so when he's talking about a worker, he's saying a teacher is a worker. <laughs> my, my good friend Tony Tate, it's kind of funny, uh, yesterday when we were uh, cleaning up uh, after the block party, he said, I come to church to worship, not to worship. <laughs> so silly. <laughs> it's funny. But that's what we do, friends. We work for the kingdom, right? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Verse 13. It says in verse 13 that, okay, that we have the power that, if, that if, if a house is worthy of it, that we are to release our peace on that house. And if it is not worthy of it, then that peace comes back to us. Okay? We have the power to release peace over our own households. Okay? Your household is subject to your peace. Let me tell you this. So if you walk into your household and it has turmoil, who has authority of correcting that turmoil? You do. Because Jesus says, My peace I give to you, the peace I give is not as the world does. So if you're walking in peace and you walk into turmoil, I'm spitting everywhere. You have, you have the authority to take dominion over that chaos. You do. You can just rebuke that stuff and say, in the name of Jesus, I speak peace over this household. And if you have little kids, man, you probably need to speak that over your household a lot. About every 10 minutes. <laughs> Just chase your little kid around. Be like, peace to you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to have to give him a peace. <laughs> on that, that rear end. If you ain't going to be at peace, we're going to give you a peace. <laughs> this is the cool thing. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15, he says that when he closed us with the full armor of God... Okay, the, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation. He also gives us what? The shoes of the gospel of peace. 
So what he's saying is, and this is what he says, and he, he, he says, if you, if you go and this town's not worthy of the peace, if it's not worthy, let it return to you. Um, let that peace return to you. Does it, uh, what it means is, and then he goes on and he says, shake the dust off your feet. So check this out. Do you know that when you're in a place that there's always turmoil, and there's always confusion, you're subject to that turmoil and confusion. So what we have to do is, as a person, to maintain your peace... You have to shake the dust off of your feet. And what are you doing? You're shaking the turmoil off of your peace. That's why you're shaking the dust. Are you getting this? He says that if that place is unworthy, shake the dust off your feet. Why? Because He, because he, he equips us with the shoes of the Gospel of peace. Every place we step our foot, should be, we should be carriers of peace. And when turmoil and stuff happens, that causes dirt and nastiness to happen. It covers our peace. And so you might have had a good day and walked in to your job, and man, they're just, I mean, your, your boss is acting crazy, and then all of a sudden you got a bad attitude when you was doing just fine walking in there. What happened? You got dust on your feet. So what do we have to do? we got to get our mind right. Look at your neighbor and say, get my mind right. And you got to shake that dust. You're like, no, you know, this person obviously is having a bad attitude. <laughs> this person just always has a bad attitude. I already know. They're going to be complaining and whining and crying. And I'm just going to have to deal with it. I'm going to stay as far away as I can. And I'm going to just wipe the dust. And I'm not going to allow my feet to get all dusty. And then I go home and then now I'm, now I'm yelling at my wife because my, my boss was being a jerk to me. Why do we do that? You know we do that. You had a bad day at work, and you go take it off on somebody that was innocent. They were just an innocent bystander. They was doing all good. You came home. You had a bad attitude. Start taking it off, taking it out on all your kids and stuff. Anybody here ever been guilty of that? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> well, I'm going to put you on blast. Take a picture. Wait, put your hands up. Take a picture. No, just joking. <laughs> we're not going to do that. So we've got to shake that dust off. Okay, remove that from our feet, okay, which covers our peace. That's what's powerful about that. Okay, we don't need to carry around the dirt. We don't need to carry around the negativity. We don't need to carry around that stuff. But all too often we do. All too often we do. We carry around that stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, shake the dust off your feet. Okay, and you know what? And if you see somebody that needs some dust shaken off their feet, you can just tell them, why don't you, babe, why don't you just shake that dust off your feet? You know, instead of saying, why you got an attitude? <laughs> you know? <laughs> You just, why you come home with attitude? She would just say, babe, you need to, remember what Pastor Josh said? You need to shake the dust off your feet. That's a little nicer, isn't it? Then why you getting at, you know, because then all of a sudden you get an attitude and then they have an attitude and then you guys are almost at throwing, throwing blows. Isn't that not the truth? And it was all over that person that cut you off when you was driving home. How many of us know there's some bad drivers in Toledo, Ohio? Some of y'all are some of them. <laughs> Just messing. It's all those other people out there driving. And then they got construction happening, and man, I don't know, people just get crazier on construction. It says you're supposed to go like 10 miles slower, and everybody goes like 10 miles faster. Because you're down to one lane, and you're trying to, you're trying to ram into, into the lane as fast as you can so that you can get in there. I don't know. Shake that dust off. <laughs> Shake it off. 
Let's skip down to verse 15. This is a tough verse. He says if that town isn't worthy, that, or if that town rejects it, that it actually says it'd be worse for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment. That's a tough verse. Which means this. Which means, you know what? It is not our obligation. If you're, if you're in a position where you're, where you're sharing hope and you're sharing the life of Jesus with somebody or, or you're in a position where, where you're sharing what God is doing and they don't, re- they don't receive it, it's not, it's, not your, it's not our job to make people receive it. Do you know that? If they reject it, that's okay. That's why God gave us free will. We have the, we have the, the capacity to receive it or reject it. Some people, it's just going to take that hard not life to happen for, for, for them to say, man, I've got I to get my life in order. And it's just, it is what it is. I mean, I had to do that with my dad. My dad was just, I mean, he like was in this place where, where he, you know, he, I mean, he could quote Scripture, he knew God or whatever, but I mean, he was just, you know, out doing his things. And I remember I prayed, I was praying for my God, or for, for my dad to, to, to come to, to the Lord. And, and I remember praying, I said, God, whatever it takes, don't kill him, whatever it takes for him to come to a place where he would commit his life to you. And he hit rock bobbin. He hit rock bobbin. He hit rock bottom. And sometimes that's just what it takes. Okay? Just it is what it is. But the thing is, is you know what? We do our part and let God do His. One plants, one waters, God gives increase. So you, you know what? You do your part, let God do His part. Just how it works. It makes it easier when you're doing your part and God's doing His. It makes it easier when you're not trying to do His part. How many of us have, at times, can, can sometimes try to do His part for Him? Well, God, you're not answering my prayer fast enough, so I think I'll go ahead and handle this on my own. How many of us know that when that happens, usually failure happens? <laughs> Jail time happens. Come on. <laughs> Talk about a detention. I mean, you got a life detention. Come on. Hold up. But, we all, but, but for some reason, all too often, we try to do things in our own strength. Why do we do that? You know? See, it is. It's human nature for us to try to fix it ourselves. Man. There's, and there's a power in being able to surrender and saying, God, I know I can do this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give it over to you. Especially when it comes to defending yourself. Come on, Bishop. Look at your neighbor and say, come on, Bishop. Because what did Jesus say? And this is so hard for all of us because we live the hard, not thug life. That when somebody disrespects us, we're going to tell them about themselves. What? Not in this church. I'll tell you what, coming to a place when you elect God to be your defender, that's a hard thing. Because you know what that is? That's walking in meekness. The Bible says that Jesus was meek. What's meek? Meek is not weak. Meek is you having the ability to do something, but you choose to restrain yourself. So when you allow God to be your defender, friends, when you allow God to do His job and you do yours, you know, how many of us know that God can do it a lot better than we can? He's been doing it for thousands of years a lot better already. Okay? And so, I don't know, maybe we're just trying to help him along. Like, hey God, let's speed this up a little bit. Let's just let him do his part. We'll do our part, he'll do his. Does that sound like a good deal? We're going to do our part. We're going to pray. We're going to believe. And then we'll let God do his. Does that sound good? I'm glad about four of you think that's good. (laughs) 
verse 16. This is tough right here. How many of us like here, I mean, we don't want to be rejected. Verse 16, it says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. What does that mean? That means there's going to be people that are going to want to chew you up and spit you out. They're going to slander your name. They're going to make fun of you. Oh, that's just one, oh, that's one of them Jesus people. Oh, that's one of them religious folk. That's one of them, that's one of them, oh, you're a little too radical. What happened, Pastor Joy, what happened? I mean, when, when, she, when she gave her, her life to Christ, what did they say? They said, you're taking this Jesus thing overboard. They told her she's taking this Jesus thing overboard. I don't know about you, but look at the fruit of what taking Jesus overboard looks like. Come on. If my wife is taking Jesus overboard, we need to sink the ship. (laughs) Because the fruit of that, I mean, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit, I mean, come on. It says what? When you obey me, you will be prosperous. When you obey all of the book of the law, you will be prosperous and successful in all you do. I don't know about you. I don't know anybody who wants failure to just follow them everywhere. But when you follow the Word of God, when you line yourself up with His Word, He makes you prosperous and successful. If that's what taking Jesus overboard is, then let's sink the ship. Okay? People are going to do that. They're just going to they're going to be shrewd, you know, or they're going to be rude. They're going to slam you. Uh, but he says he tells us to be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. That's what he tells us. Okay? We're not called to stir strife. I love what it says in, in Titus and also in Timothy. Because see, many of us, we like to be the defenders of the faith, and that's great. God's called us to defend our faith. But don't defend your faith to a point to where now you're getting in arguments with people. Because all that does is just, it, just, it just makes us look bad. And so this is what he says in Titus chapter 3, verse 9. It says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because they're unprofitable and useless. Don't fight over what the Bible says. Come on. Let's, 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 let's go above that. Okay? Man, I'm spitting everywhere. This is crazy. I, I mean, it's just coming out. It's like flinging like every five minutes. I usually don't do that. <laughs> Stay back there. Second Timothy 2, 23. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce squirrels. Many of us, we need to, we need to memorize that right there. Stupid arguments. It's very easy for us to fall into those stupid arguments. When you really look at it, think about this. If you're, if you're married in this place and, and you get into an argument with your spouse, unless, it, I mean, I mean, unless it's really serious, but usually it's not, how many of our arguments are really stupid? How hot or cold the, the air conditioner should be? What you should eat, what you shouldn't eat? How come that piece of clothing is laying on the floor right there? How come the toilet seat was left up? You didn't train your man good enough. <laughs> Mama trained me well, so I was already trained. <laughs> now I'm dealing with a bunch of boys that do worse. I mean, they just... This is nasty. But we, we argue over, over some of the dumbest things, don't we? Let's, let's skip on down to verse 19 and verse 20. Verse 19. 19 and 20 say, that, say this. They say, uh, when they arrest you, do not worry about what you are to say or how you should say it at the time. Uh, you'll be given what to say. Isn't that 
awesome that the Holy Spirit empowers us on what to say. We don't even have to prepare. Well, when I do this, I have to say this, that, and the other. No. You know, when you, when you abide in Christ, and Christ's Word abide, abides in you, then when you're put in a position where, where you have to speak up, God will give you the words to say. How many of us have ever been in a position where we knew we were supposed to share something with somebody, but yet we did not share it because there was that fear of, man, I really don't know what to say. I know I should say something to them, but I really don't know what to say. Do you know what the threshold is? The threshold is opening your mouth. Once you open your mouth, it's almost like He gives you the right words to say. I can't tell you how many times that God has used this donkey to speak His Word. Because there's times, I mean, I've had people say, man, that's like some wisdom. I'm like, great, because I'm not that wise. What's that? The wisdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit that uses you. Okay? That's cool. I don't know about you, but you should be encouraged by that. That you can be in positions that sound a lot smarter than you usually are. <laughs> so, some of you didn't laugh. I thought that was pretty funny. I like it that God makes me look a lot smarter than I am. We got a one amen. Thank you. All right. Air pound. Bam. Nice. Thanks. Verse 21. Let's skip on down to verse 21. It says, Brother will betray brother to death, father's child. Children will rebel against their parents and have put them to death. That's tough. Okay? Jesus is talking about some end time uh, uh, things that's happening here that in the end that, man, people are going to think they're doing a, a service by saying this person, uh, you know, who's a family member is, is a follower of Christ and so we're going to betray them. That's tough. Brother will betray brother, father is child. And in, in one gospel it says, and they'll think they're doing a, a good service. Which means it's going to be totally flipped around when, I'm going to just say it as it is, when the good guys look like the bad guys. I don't know about you, but I mean, really think about it. Christianity, I mean, everybody has their little argument. Well, they did this and they did that. How, you, there are more humanitarian efforts all across the world right now that are done because they're what? Faith-based. Think about it. Think about all the hospitals that are started. Why were they called? St. Anne's and St. Saint, Saint Francis and, or St. Or Charles or all these, all these. What are these? These were people that had this burden to serve people that followed Christ. What are some of the, the largest food, food uh, uh, efforts that are going across the world? Guess what? Faith-based. Come on. The body of Christ is doing, is doing tremendous. We are leading the world and doing great works. We really are. So there's going to be a time in, in, on, on this planet where, where, where those people are going to look like the bad guys. Us people are going to look like the bad guys. And when that happens, brother's going to betray brother and all that stuff. But, he, but this is what he says, but okay, he who stands what? Firm to the end will be saved. So if, if we as a people ever come into that, into that time frame, friends, we've got we to stand firm in what we believe. Because what does he say? He says that if you, what? Deny me before man, that I will deny you before my Father in heaven. Let me tell you, if you want to read a good book, please read this book. It's called The Fox's Book of Martyrs. There's, there's actually another book that's the rewrite of that. It's called um, Jesus Freaks. Is it, if you've ever read that book, that's a good read. If you've never read that, please read that book. It's an account on account on account of, of all of these incredibly courageous people that, that were put in that position. Some of, them, some of them, they even share some of their failures. And at other times when they're put in positions of, 
of, of where they have to make a decision for Christ or death. And we're talking about nowadays stuff. Not like back in like Jesus' time. We're talking about now. This stuff is happening now. How many of us know that uh, the 12 Coptic Christians that were beheaded and it, was, it, made, it made international news, why were they targeted? Because they were Christians. So in some cases, some of that is happening. That people are being hated because of their association with Christ. Okay? Let's continue on here. Verse 25. Verse 25. And, then, and this is what it says in, in uh, verse 25. It says, uh, It isn't enough uh, for the students to be like the teacher, the servant, uh, or like his master. They will be like them. This deals with authority, friends. Many of us, perhaps, we want to be in a position of authority, uh, but in order to be in a position of authority, we've got to understand authority. Let me tell you this, if you can't submit to authority, why would God put you in a position of authority? But there's a lot of people that want to be the boss. If you can't be faithful with the little that you already have, why would you be the boss of everything else? For instance, at your job, if you're, if you're giving a small task and you're giving, why would you be made the foreman if you can't even complete the task correctly? Or if you're in a position at your job and, and there's a, a position, a promotional pr- position, and you're not giving 100% at your job, why would they promote you to, to be a supervisor? Or if you're always given word and always given mouth back to your supervisor, why would you ever think you're going to be a supervisor? We've got to understand authority here. If we want to be in authority, if we want to walk in authority, then we've got to submit to authority. Okay, if, you, if you're in here, you may or may not know that my good friend, Pastor Steve Soto, he works okay, supernaturally. I, I know this by many people that he's prayed for. Uh, that have been healed. God has, I mean, God has used him in words of knowledge. I mean, I mean, real deal stuff. Okay? And, and so people, you know, they come to him and they talk to him about, you know, that and, and, and different things. And, that, you know, they, you, you kind of, when you see that, you, you, you want to walk in that. And this is one thing that he said. I've heard him say it over and over again. He said, he said the reason that I have authority is because I have submitted myself to authority. God can't give you authority if you can't submit to authority. And when you put yourself under the cover of authority, then you put yourself under the ability to walk in authority. But we live in a culture that just everybody wants to do their own thing. And if my authority isn't doing what I want, then I'm going to just get another authority or I'm going to talk back bad about that authority because they're not doing what I want. Isn't that rebellion? And what, is, what does the Bible say in uh, 2 Samuel chapter uh, 22, or chapter 15, verse 22? It says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So when you're walking in rebellion, you're, you're basically walking in witchcraft. That's tough. We've got to understand authority. And the cool thing is, is Jesus, when he's talking about authority, the person that he said that had uh, greater authority in all of Israel was what? A centurion who wasn't even one of his disciples who said, I'm a man of authority and I'm under authority. I say go here, they go there, and so, and so on and so forth. He understood authority because when, 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 when he was told to do something, he did it. And when he told other people to do it, they did it. He was under authority. And he walked in authority. That's how it is with God. If we want to be in authority, then we've got to submit ourselves to God. And we've got to submit ourselves to the people that God places over our lives. Verse 25. He basically says, I'm, they called me the devil, they're going to call you names. Okay? You're going to be called crazy and cuckoo and re- religious and all that other stuff. Verse 27. 
It says, when I tell you in the dark, speak in the, in the daylight, and whatever you whisper in your ear, proclaim to the rooftops. Verse 27 basically says, you know what? You just go ahead and, and uh, through your intimate times that you spend with me, you share that with people. You don't have to share everything, but through the intimacy, through the things that you spend one-on-one with me, you know, you tell people about what God's doing, what He's speaking, what He's saying. Don't just keep it to yourselves. Verse 29, this is so cool. I love this verse. Verse 29 says this, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And every, even every hair on your head are all numbered. How many of us know that some of us have numerous numbers and other of us don't have so many numbers on our head? It's okay. I hear when you get older, the, the hairs on your head move to other parts of your body. <laughs> like to your ears and your back and all that other stuff. We'll find out. When I, if that happens to me, I'll say, yeah, I, I arrived, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I don't ever arrive to that, that position, but hey, you know. <laughs> hopefully my wife will hook me up. <laughs> help, help a brother out, get those reach, hard-to-reach places. <laughs> I know I'm like way off on some stupid stuff right now. But, okay. <laughs> Let's move on here. Verse uh, 29, he basically says that everything is in God's hand. It's in His will. Everything in our lives is passed by the throne. It does not go unnoticed. But yet, we think that God has abandoned us. He's rejected us. He's allowed us to go through all these things. And, and it just kind of, well, it just, that must have just slipped by God. He didn't even see this one. No, friends. Everything. When we lose a family member, okay, every person, the Bible says, has been appointed to live and to die. Man, we have, a, we have a date stamp on us. God knows that date stamp. We don't know it. That's why we're to live every life, every day, as, as, as you know, making the most of every opportunity. Because we don't know when we'll slip into eternity or perhaps when one of our loved ones will. But I love the fact that he says that not a single sparrow falls to the ground without your father's will. Meaning that, you know what, he, if he knows that, that this bird is going to get ran over, because that's what happens nowadays. You know, birds like in the middle of the road, and if he, he knew that was going to happen, how much more is he going to care for us? He's going to take care of you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to take care of me. And then say, he's going to take care of you. He is. He's going to take care of you. You speak that to them. He's going to take care of you. That's what he does. He's a good God. He's going to take care of us. Verse 33. Almost finished here. Some of y'all said, Amen. (laughs) But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Basically what he's saying that uh, don't be scared to rep Jesus. Come on. Rep Him well. Don't be afraid to represent Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, Rep Jesus. Say, don't be scurred. See, that's how we say it. It's S-K-R-D. Scurred. Don't be afraid. Don't be scurred to rep Jesus. Don't be scurred. Because if you're scurred to rep Him, He's going to be scurred to rep you. That's tough. That's what He says. That's why, I don't, that's why I'm like, Jesus, yeah! I just, just want to shout that out there. Let you know. <laughs> 
But where, but where are there positions where we could be afraid to represent Jesus? Could be uh, possibly you're put into a position where you're now, you can compromise your values. Or perhaps you're put in a position that makes you feel uncomfortable. Or perhaps you're put in a position where sin is put in front of you and, and, uh, and you, have a, you have a choice to say yes or no. In those times, really, honestly, you're either going to represent Jesus or not too. It's not just speaking Him before man. It's how you represent Him before man as well. So we can't be afraid. And many times, friends, what we're going to do is, is, is if we're afraid, then we're going to fail. Ask Saul what happened to him. He was afraid, and he stepped outside of the boundaries, and the, what? the kingdom was ripped from him. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to allow fear of man to dictate our choices. We don't want to be scared. Verse 43. And he says this, he said, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. Okay? Now he is the Prince of Peace, and he did, okay, the peace I give you. He's going to give us peace, but this is what he's talking about. Okay? In this, he's, he's talking about this, say, power verse. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about First, uh, First John chapter three, verse eight. It's called a power verse. This is what he says. Go ahead and throw that on the screen. He says this in First John chapter three, verse eight. He says, "The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, or to destroy the devil's work." That is a power verse. When he's saying, "I didn't come to bring peace." I came to bring a sword. Why? Because he came to wage war against the enemy. Amen. That's why he came to bring a sword. He came to just cut that boy up and, and, and cut all of, all of the strongholds and, and all of the ties and all of the bondages and everything that binds his children up with, 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 with the devil's schemes and lies. He came to wage war. And aren't you glad that he came to wage war? Because if not, then we would be prisoners of the enemy. I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. He came to do that. And what happens? What happens when God intervenes into a place? Then sometimes it causes this to happen that a, a, a man will turn against his father and a daughter will turn against their mother and the mother-in-law will turn against... And that man's... Enemies will be members of his own household. How many of us can we honestly say when we made a commitment to Christ, some of the people in our own immediate family had a hard time with it? I don't want, I remember, I remember one of my buddies when we made the same commitment to Christ. I remember one of my other buddies telling them, saying, uh, I, I want the old mic back. He was my dude, and they named him getting him back. But what happened? The lifestyle that he was living was almost like being an enemy of his, of his friend. Why? Because I don't know. It just, it just it is what it is. It's sad, but it's true. Okay, let's continue on. You're almost finished. Verse 37 talks about a submitting to God's authority. Okay? Being in, in obedience to God, I'm not going to get into all that. Verse 38, we're almost finished. It says, Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow, me, and follow me is not worthy of me, and whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will find it. Basically what he's saying, he's saying Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that we've been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And I live by faith in the Son of God, 
who loved himself and gave himself for me. Okay? That's what we're called to do. We're called to live our lives crucified with Christ. Okay? And the Bible, you know, when he says cross, it's, an, it's not a light burden to bear. Sometimes it's a hard burden to bear. Well, how does it become a hard burden to bear? Because sometimes it causes us to do what our sinful nature doesn't want to do. Our sinful nature wants to tell about somebody about himself, wants to be lazy, wants to, wants to uh, tell, whatever, you know, uh, get upset and, and tell people off. But when we, when we carry our cross, we have to walk as Christ walked. And that means not always getting our own way. How many of us know that when you follow Christ, that doesn't mean that you always get your own way? How many of us throw adult temper tantrums when we don't get our own way? There's not enough hands up. <laughs> you put both hands up. Me. <laughs> we do. We throw adult temper tantrums. I didn't get my way. Why do we do that? Because we're selfish. Part of, part of living for Jesus is, is carrying that cross, which is a, a selfless life. And so, so we have to choose to say, I'm not going to be selfless. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to do my best to what? Love my neighbor as myself, to look at others better than myself. And is that easy? No! It's hard. That's why the cross is hard. And that's why eternity is such a great reward. Verse 39. A few more verses here. Almost done. It says, whoever finds his life will lose it. Okay, yeah, we already know that. Okay. Verse 41. Anyone who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, uh, and a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Okay, as you receive a, peop- a person in their giftings, or as you receive a person in their authority, you're going to receive their gifting. So for instance, if you look at me as your friend, you're going to receive a, a reward of a friend. But if you allow me to be your pastor, you'll receive the, 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 the blessing of what a pastor can do for you. Does that make sense? If you receive uh, Steve Soto as your buddy and your chum, then he can be your chum. But if you receive him in the, in the giftings that God has on him, he can speak into your life. Same with my wife. She, everybody thinks that you know, she's their best friend because she has the gift of friendship. And you can receive her as, as a bestie. And she can be that. But you can also receive her as, as, as a minister of the gospel. And you can receive the reward from that. Does that make sense? It just it is what it is. So you can receive a, pro- a prophet for profit. You'll get a prophet's reward. Okay? That's all it means. You receive people and their giftings, you'll receive the gifting that's from them. For instance, when Ron Teal comes, we usually have him come a few years. Okay, we receive him in his giftings. And what happens? Man, this place just, he just is released in this house. Because we receive him as a prophet. Does that make sense? Good. Verse 42. It says, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of my disciples, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not re- re- uh, lose his reward. How many of us know that when we walk in humility, that means serving others? Walking in humility means serving others. How many of us have a, have a, a hard time serving other people? <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you, I have a hard time serving people. Why? Because naturally, I want to be served. When my wife and I, when we first got together, okay, she wanted me to serve her. I wanted her to serve me. Nobody got served. <laughs> it just didn't work. My wife's become more mature. She does more of the serving. But, but I, I have a hard time serving. She says I got better. Okay, as long as she says, I can't say it about myself. Thank you. She said it. 
I was hoping maybe I'd get something, a little something. I got a little better. But it's a hard time, what? We, because we want to be served. But Jesus said, what? The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. So that means we got to sometimes, what? Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, <laughs> suck it up, buttercup. I was just thinking of the wife looking at her husband calling him Buttercup. It's just funny. Buttercup. <laughs> save, that, save that romantic language for later. Okay. We have to walk in humility. That means serving others. That means even the smallest things matter. That's why Jesus would say, even a cup of cold water. How many of us know would look at something like that and say, that looks like very insignificant? No, friends. Sometimes the little most insignificant gestures are the things that mean the most. So let us not look at the small things that we do for others and think, well, you know what? Well, that didn't get noticed. Guess who noticed it? Your father noticed it. So that means we don't got to brag on Facebook, hey, look at what I did. We don't have to. Okay? God notices those things. And what does he say? He says, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. So if you don't get an attaboy or a pat on the back for doing something nice for somebody or stepping outside of your selfish on nature and doing something for somebody, if you don't get one of those good jobs, friends, you're not going to, the Bible says, he certainly will not lose his reward. Why? Would you rather be rewarded by people and get the attaboy and the pat on the back, or would you rather be rewarded by God? I'd rather be rewarded by God, personally. Attaboys are nice here and there, but you know what? I would rather, I would rather my treasure be in heaven. Can you stand on your feet with me? And they said, amen, he's done! <laughs> See, that 